Welcome to another edition of the Bob Cheswold Show. And Joanne Kogel right next to me as well here today. we got a great guest. But before we get into that, I'm just laughing. It's just every time Joanne starts, she doesn't like our music open. Okay, let's no. just cut to the chase. It's okay. I bet the people would vote with me. Yes, and she said, you know, Bob, it feels like this, you know, we're back to the 1940s. Would you say we're looking at the smoke at a bar and I'm trying to find myself? What? Yeah, we're, we're seeing like bands. <laughs> Get me my gin and tonic as I sit around the little red table. Oh my gosh! Well, speaking of red, we got a wonderful ginger in the house. She's a wonderful lady, beautiful. I haven't met her just minutes ago, but she's going to be great because I've heard a lot about her. She's got a great publicist, by the way. And we're talking about methods for overcoming obstacles, Joanne, and learning how to not only survive but thrive in life. That's the title of her book. Coming up next, you're going to find all about these questions and answers and much more. Right here on the Bob Jeswald Show. Personal power. People positive. The community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Oh, we are going to have a great episode here. You know, when, when you hear authors write books and stuff like that, they're always the titles grab you, and there's always some great information because it takes a lot of work to put together. When you put a book together, it's a lot of research, a lot of time spent. And my next guest is Laura Berg. Laura, how are you? You're right here with Bob and Joanne today in the Bob Jeswell Show. Where are you? Yeah, there you are. <laughs> I said, Ginger, is that okay? That's a compliment. I'm just paying you a compliment. I see you through there. You look like an actress. You're smiling. We can see you pop, and you look great. Maybe, maybe that'll be a next career for you, too, as an author. <laughs> I get called it all the time. It's okay. all good. Okay, great. Hey, is it fair to say, you know how some people say, you know, I'm from, you know, I lived out west for a while, and Joanne can attest to this because she's done a lot of triathlons. In different places, but people say Nevada. I lived in Nevada. I lived in Las Vegas for a long time. Nevada. In Nevada, it's Nevada. You know, when people say that, or Oregon, it's Oregon. You know, Illinois, no, it's Illinois. That, first of all, that's just grammatically wrong. And then, but but it's Boca Raton. Do you like to say or Boca Raton, Florida? I'm actually in Toronto. Oh, you're ah. in Canada right now. Okay, I didn't know. So when I said it was Lindsay's <laughs> from. Lindsay's from Boca Raton. So I messed that up. I'm sorry. (laughs) Lindsay Mack is down there, your publicist. I I totally, see, look, that's great. I, okay, this is even better. Now, go ahead. I'm going to let Joanne take over. This is even, Laura, you're going to love this. Go ahead, Joanne, because I know what she's going to say. I grew up in London. Yeah. And I grew up in Buffalo. I spent times in Mississauga, watched uh, Vic Cummings on Mm -hmm. Channel 11. Um, CHCH TV 11, south of Toronto, on the Queenie all the time. Young Street, hung out there many times. And uh, that's that's the neck of my woods. Big big hockey player. Joanne grew up there, as we just said, in, in London, Ontario. And by golly, we got a connection here. This is even better yet. Well, there you go. My husband teaches in London, actually. That's oh. Not England. Yeah, just okay. Even though it looks like England no, in, your, in your window there, it's actually London, Ontario. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's great. Well, we're going to get to we're going to get to you right now. Then, so now that we've got that established, it's fantastic. This is good. It's going to make it even better. Laura, tell first. I think it's most important. Everyone wants to know when you have obstacles in life, and Joanne and I talk about this a lot. Whether it's fitness and health, whatever it may be, everybody has an obstacle in life. That's a great idea, great concept, and learning how not to only survive, but how do you thrive through that? You know, some people have their faith. They use that a lot. They meditate, yoga, whatever it may be. What inspired you to do this book? And, and tell us the exact title of your book then, too. Uh, it's Thriving Life, How to Live Your Best Life No Matter the Cards You're Dealt. And I came up with the title because before I wrote the book, I just felt like I was surviving life. I was just going through day in, day out, not feeling very satisfied or content, but not thriving. And I just wanted to thrive. And so I, that's where I came up with the book because thriving doesn't mean that you have to constantly be having joy in your life and full of ecstasy all the time. It just means that you're not exhausted by simply going through the motions of life. I, I can relate to that. I mean, we, you know, even we say, would it be fair to say people too, they have like that, what is it called when you're a guy, especially happens to men when you hit their forties, is it? And they feel like they're going into their second, what was that called? And they got to get a crisis. midlife crisis. That's the word I'm looking for. Is this what we're talking about or not sort of? Well, not quite, quite, but yes, I mean, people could have a midlife crisis and then feel that way, but I think you can feel this just barely surviving at any point in your life. Especially with COVID. I mean, this couldn't oh, come out I mean, at a better time. I'm, I'm assuming that yeah. this 
book, was it inspired before COVID, the pandemic, or during? It was, because it takes a long time to write a book. So once you go through the process of getting a book deal, and then you have to sit down and write it. So yeah, this came out long before COVID, but it's kind of good timing, because a lot of the stuff I talk about in my book, probably people are going through it more now than ever before. Yeah, I can I can see that. Joanne, Toronto, and this is, I'm not picking because we're all from this this area here. Are you a Jays fan, first of all? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a huge sports okay. fan in general, but yeah. I, I love the Jays, but it makes me depressed when every time you see them so close. You know you know what I'm saying? It's like the Buffalo Buffalo teams, too. It's like, come on, will you win something? You get what I'm saying. Joel, yeah. Were you a Maple Leafs fan or any fan Absolute up there? I'm a Jay fan. Okay. Ra- Raptors, basketball. Oh, okay. World champion. Do you know what's crazy? Do you want another connection here, guys? And I don't, I'm not digressing. This is so crazy because you said the whole Toronto. I can't believe I missed that, Laura. <laughs> because I just want to say this because we're, we're going to get back to that. But here's a guy that that's coming here at 4:15 today. He's a friend of mine from Toronto. This is God. I, this is a God. I, honestly, this is a God's honest truth. His name's Greg McFarland, and hopefully he'll listen to this podcast afterwards. We met in Las Vegas. He left Canada because he just felt and he got a statue literally tattooed on the back. Of his of his back because he just he was he was just sick of the grind and I'm not picking at Canada because we're all from that area and I love Canada it's a great great country but he he just thought this you know just the way the government was run the socialism the the he calls it socialism it's not but socialist kind of you know medicine social medicine and all that he had to keep going over the border to get things done I'm not saying this is what he said he just got sick of of that and the repetitiveness and he so went to the opposite of what he did like a 180 like a total antithesis Canada I don't want Canada I want to become an American citizen went to the extreme like dude I I used to go over the border from Niagara Falls all the time Rainbow Bridge wherever I would go and it's so clean you go to Canada there's a there's a huge contrast I mean it's beautiful I mean how can you not but I'm wondering if he went through that cycle of where we live regionally or something and maybe sometimes the weather gets to you you know you get you get cabin fever or whatever it may be sometimes we say that Laura Berg's book would that would that kind of yank pull that out of us a little bit? I would hope so. Yeah. If, I mean, <laughs> tell, tell me how. Tell tell us how. Give us some examples in that book or something that somebody he's going through these obstacles. You know, Joanne, you, you don't. What are and I never even know from Joanne. I've known her for years. What are your obstacles? And and Laura's going to tell us how to get out of them. How's that? Oh, sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, you sure did. I'll share some too, but I, mean, I want to hear. I want to hear my you. obstacles. I'm going to have to think about that. Okay, you think about it, and I'm going to tell you. My obstacle is that when I went from one job to the next, Laura, to another job, I carried the same things with me, such as I, I. You know, you think it's the people you work with, but and I start looking in the mirror and thinking, "Oh my God, it's me!" And I had some good mentors to tell me along the way. You know, Bob. I can guarantee, I don't even know what you did two other jobs ago, but I can guarantee you had that same exact problem two jobs ago because I keep bringing it on and on and on. Laura Berg's, you know, how are we going to thrive here? What can you do to help me with that? Well, it's interesting that you say that because you're clearly identifying what the problem is, you know, and that's the main thing that you have to do is a lot of us feel unhappier. We feel like we repeat the same errors over and over again and yet we don't sort of stop to look at what we're doing in our lives that are creating these issues because we just keep going through the same thing over and over again so I talk a lot about cognitive behavioral therapy in my book so CBT and what that is is when I was first introduced to the concept years ago I had a therapist and she's, I just thought this is such nonsense, like mindfulness and CBT where you have to sit with your thoughts and really analyze. I'm like, I know what I'm feeling. And, you know, of course I, I be mindful of what I'm feeling. I know what I'm feeling. I'm, I'm going through it, you know, but it's really a case of acknowledging what is maybe making you feel the way that you're feeling not and then and a lot of us do it around emotions so this thing made me feel this way and those feelings are reality but maybe the thing that made you feel that way is not 
reality is just your perception of what is going on, which is making you feel bad. So I'll give you an example. This is just a really easy one where, you know, you're walking down the street, you run into a friend and a friend kind of dismisses you and leaves quickly. And you think, oh no, she hates me. What did I do? I'm the worst person. And then you start feeling bad and you're kind of feeling blue that day, but you don't identify why you're feeling blue. You just start feeling blue. And then you're short with your spouse or your kids or at work, whatever because you haven't stopped to realize, okay, I had this encounter and this encounter made me feel this way. And so in your head, the thought process behind that encounter is that she doesn't like me, but that's not actually what happened. What happened is maybe she was running late for work and she had to go. So it's, it's really about sitting with what is going on and identifying your feelings around that thing. And then, you know, making that change based on, I want to feel better. That, and you know how many times we do that. And now I don't, Joanne, do you get like, take, you, I just still, Joanne, look, I mean, could you, I, I sort of analyze Joanne right now. <laughs> oh, I love your cat, by the way. You got a cream tabby. He's always, he's always, he's other, always on the Oh, that's our cats. Just, I have two of them. I have a, I got a gray tabby and a cream tabby and they, they're just, they like the cream tabbies like to jump and go up. But, but Joanne, you, you do hold your, I'm telling you, I've known you for years now. And the thing that amazes me about Joanne, <laughs> I'm picking on Joanne, but I'm going to use Joanne as an example. Crap could be gone. hitting the fan. The worst things could happen. Seriously, like the worst things can happen. And her temperament only goes up a notch more and more. She hardly even. And so you don't know sometimes, like, Joanne, are you okay? Or is everything, you know what I mean? I, I get this thing, like, do you, should you go up to that person? Is it healthy to do that? Or is it just because our perce- the perception is Joanne's like that? Is she just not emotional in that area or is she or she just internalizes that's her and don't don't read too much into it kind of thing yeah that's it I mean you might be feeling that she should be reacting a certain way because of how you would react to that situation so then you put it on her when she might not have even given two thoughts to something Really, sorry. It doesn't look like much bothers her. So, really, Bob, you should just worry about yourself. (laughs) See, that's so So maybe I mean, and worry less about other people. So I need the CBT. You obviously did not read chapter one of this. I did no, but I need the CBT. But she did, and and she does not need. And the the introduction this morning at breakfast. Yes, exactly. That's good. Good for you. Good for you. Well, get, get into. Tell us what. What do you what do you think with with this? What where where do you see in the business that you're into? And especially with all the folks, you have so many volunteers, you have so many people, things that you do, and you seem to always get past it. You went through a heck of a time with COVID. Your gyms were at stake, and then you know, and Laura touches on this, but you always kept a good common theme. I mean, she's well, she's probably one of the healthiest people that, you know we can talk to on this level. But what you know? Well, I mean, I think I think ultimately. You're in control. You're and I and I said I think I said that the last podcast too. Yeah, is that you're in control of your future? I mean, to an extent. I mean, you can't control if you get cancer or whatever, but you can control your attitude and you can control how you how you deal with it and you can control how how you react to it. And I just choose to control it in a much more controlling way than somebody who is a little more reactive. So, but I mean. But do you think she still has anything, Laura? Is there anything there? We all have something, though, don't we? Or some people just don't care to share. No, I mean, I I do. I I mean, I I handle the situation and the way it needs to be handled. And it doesn't need, sometimes doesn't need reaction. Sometimes it does. And when I do react, then it's very powerful. And meaningful. Mm. And memorable. Okay, I can see that. But, Laura, you sit here, too. You're very, you, you and Joanne, very similar, maybe because we're, I'm from Buffalo, but you guys are Canadian, so it must be a it's Canadian, a Canadian thing. It's a Canadian trait, I guess. Anything. Yeah, but yeah. What, what is this? What came about in your? If I don't want to get too personal, you what you feel comfortable with? What was it that made Laura Berg say, "I, you know, I, I got to do this. I got to write this. I got to talk about." I'm this. a huge open book in my book because I decided that. Well, okay, the catalyst behind the book came when I posted a video on YouTube of my experience being rejected by my birth parents. So I'm adopted, okay. and I found my birth parents. I found out they had married each other after having me, and they still rejected me. They, did, they said, I don't want anything to do with you. So that killed me because I felt, you know, I always felt 
growing up that I was giveawayable somehow, that somebody could give me away. I wasn't wanted enough. And of course, that wasn't the case. They were teenagers and they did for me what they thought was best and all of that stuff. But you still thought and feeling are two different things. And so I posted this video just of my experience because I thought there's there are other people out there who have had to have gone through the same thing I did, but I don't know anybody in my circle of friends in my small world. Uh, and I posted it and the response I got was insane. I, it has over 700,000 views, this one video wow. of people sharing their, you know, in the comments, you read the comments, it's beautiful because people are saying, thank you so much for sharing because I felt like it was just me. I went through the same rejection and I can't believe it. And I, I felt it must be me. But hearing that it was you also means that it's not necessarily a personal problem that's me. It, it's maybe a biological parent emotion issue or what have you. And so I realized the impact that you can have by sharing your story and your experience and the lessons that you've learned and uh, that will ultimately help other people heal. So in my book, I, I'm very open and very raw about the traumas I've gone through and how I've overcome them and the strategies that I've used to be mentally healthier. I love, I like that, that you're, you're doing that. Of course, a lot of people listening to this now have not had a chance to read it. We're going to have a link to it. We're also going to have a link to that YouTube, you know, kind of testimony, if you will, of what, what you, you know, open yourself up to. Cause that, that's something I would have never even thought of. How are you doing now? I mean, is it therapeutic? <laughs> you, the book, you write the book, it's therapeutic. You, you, you're, you have to practice what you preach. Is that true? Yeah, it was therapeutic. It was hard because, as I said, I'm talking about really emotional topics and traumatic things that have happened to me. So when I was going through it, as much as I've, as I've dealt with things in my life, to share those stories again and kind of walk through the emotions was difficult. Um, but it was also, I knew that I was going to come out the other side healthier and better because I have talked about it really when you keep things bottled up, they, they explode, you know, they get bigger than they have to be. And so by sharing, it really does help. I also, I'm very, um, a lot of people have said, you're very harsh in your book. And it's not that I'm harsh. I'm just being real with people because I can, because I'm not just a therapist who has gone through the motions and I have the education and I can share from an academic standpoint how, in theory, you should be feeling or you should be doing these things. I'm saying I have lived this. I have suffered abuse. I have gone through different traumatic experiences. And each one of the chapters in my book talk about that. And this is how I came through it. So... Sometimes, like I talk about the vic victim mentality mm -hmm. and how I'm sure you've met people who just lived that life as a victim, you know? I, I, that, that's, I yeah, I, I applaud you for that because I, that's the, we're, you know, all of us have something and, and I, you hit the nail on the head too. And I know, you know, somebody who's a therapist, you're writing this about your life, which somebody's going to relate to because you're there. So you can even give people. Um, some good advice because something similar that you went through, some of the traumatic stuff you went through. Do you think it's because when you were young, how young were you before you really started to feel this feeling of feeling rejected? And then you decided, you know, this is this become, I assume you were a victim too for a while. You played victim and then that kind of transcended oh, yeah. relationships and down the road. Yeah, I lived in that mentality. So I was also, um, I had a very abusive father and so I felt rejected from a very early age. You know, I've, as soon as I found out I was an adopted, you just not naturally feel like you weren't wanted. Of course, you were mm -hmm. rejected. Even though your parents tell you you were wanted, you were a gift, you were, you know, chosen and blah, blah, blah. Okay. You still feel rejected. And uh, then you are with a person who's an abuser. So did he not want me? He didn't. And he was not happy having kids. And he was, you know, it was, it was awful. And so you carry that with you throughout your life. You carry that. And I realized at one point that all of my choices, my actions, my interactions were based on me being a victim. I was abused. Poor me. I had a hard life. And I realized that he's no longer in my life. 
And so if I continue to act in a certain way in that victimhood, then I'm giving him control. He's still victimizing me because of my behaviors today based on being that victim. So I had to really sit with myself and analyze what I was doing and what I could change in order to stop being that victim because I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. And so I had to put that mentality behind me. So I talk about victimhood and sometimes people don't people don't want to be told that they're acting like a victim. That's not a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that somebody will read it and say, well, she was also acting like a victim. So she gets it. I like that. I like that. Joey, what would you, I mean, I know, I mean, do you, I never see you being that kind of person, but did you ever find yourself in that place at any time? Being you had dope, you have two loving parents. I mean, I know her parents. They're very, obviously, I believe you are where you're at because of Bob and Mary. So, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, tell. I think everybody plays the victim at some point in right. their life. I mean, get a speeding ticket and, you know, you might. I would have never thought I, of that, Joanne. <laughs> Would you have thought of that, Laura? I mean, <laughs> might get a speeding ticket, and then you know you. What go, chapter you, is that, Laura? You go to court, ticket. and you're like, I'm Playing the victim, victims. but then clearly you are not. Like, Joanne, you know? I love it. She, she would come up with that, but and without being and, and being serious here too. But she's right. I mean, those are the kind of things that we typically say to people. You know, cut it out. You, you'll see people that I work with. They I mean, do. I think a lot of people play victim uh, yeah. and and blame a lot of their life situations on on where they are and I mean uh, and I and I say this because I read the first chapter of the book this morning and I got it is that uh, that's how you know that that's how we kind of get in those situations that just kind of snowball and we just play the victim and and getting out of that mindset is how we move forward and you know Laura you and I don't know if you mentioned in the book about your your adopted mom I don't hear you say much about her um, you mean my mom, like the woman who the one who raised, raised you, raised you? Yeah, my mom. Not biological. Yeah, my mom was an an angel of all angels in my life. She was the reason why I'm probably am the way I am. Uh, she left my dad when I was ten, which was great. Um, but yeah, my mom passed away too, and uh, there was other things like she had. My mom had a kidney transplant and uh, triple bypass surgery and breast cancer. And I had to like help take care of her and I was alone and it was all of that kind of stuff that, you know, I had to get a job while I was in university to pay the mortgage. It was, you know, challenging, but she never, not once in her life played the poor me card and she could have played it a million times. So yeah, I, I do talk about her in my book and I talk about the relationship that we had and the things that also that she went through and that we went through. My brother ultimately um, took his life because Mm. he couldn't handle the abuse at home anymore. And, you know, that's hard as a, as a mother who adopted a child. My brother was also adopted and then have that happen. You feel like, you know, she felt like a failure, like she failed him. So yeah, it's difficult. You're not, you're, you know, talking all the way up to 10 years old before your mom, I, I applaud her, you know, that she was enough strength to say, I'm getting the heck out of the situation. But it took took nine to 10 years. You don't blame her at all for that? Or do you think there was any point where you wish mom wish you'd get the heck away from dad kind of thing? No, I think she did the best that she could. And back then, you know, this is why it's really important to talk about things like this and that I was so open in my book and, you know, I talk about mental health and about abuse and it, it, back then you couldn't talk about it because it was embarrassing and she was embarrassed. So where would she go? She was a a stay at home mom who had no income. Uh, So what, what is she supposed to do? You know, I, I think it was great that she left when she did. It was too bad that she didn't leave earlier because I think things would have turned out differently for my brother. But there's no point in holding grudges and being angry at somebody who you don't walk in their shoes and you don't, you can't make the choices for them. So have you, have you ever, your, your, your adopted dad, your father, uh, do you still refer to him as, would you still consider him father? Or are you like completely nothing? Would you, would you love for him to have a copy of this book now? Just, do you think that would be something that would be redeeming? (laughs) He's my, he's, deceased now okay um 
but I cut him out of my life when I was 22 and I left the country I moved to Australia for a while and uh, I never ever saw him again so I would I would not want him to even know yeah I mean yeah maybe it would be good for him to read the book but then also I don't want him to take any credit for who I've become today and he's the type of man that would have taken credit very interesting as much as like there's a line we have to draw though sometimes you, you know what you're saying as a therapist you know as much as we want to kind of move on and put the past back and you know we're not going to live that anymore but sometimes we just don't rekindle something if it's that bad I mean the abuse can come sexually physically mentally you know whatever you know verbal there's all different stages of abuse and and, it, and I just inferring that you you you've you encountered you know, at least a few of those yeah and in I talk about one of the chapters in my book is toxic family. I have toxic friends, toxic relationships and toxic family members because it's really difficult to set boundaries with toxic family members. And uh, I had to do it. And it's okay to cut people off if they are not healthy for you. Yes. We are almost too afraid to cut people off, you know. Uh, So so I, I share that experience with saying to my father, I'm, you're not my father. I'm not having anything else to do with you unless you can do this. And he never could do that. And so. Well, good. Bravo to you. That's really good. But there's something you touched on and Joanne, I know you can relate this to. There's nothing like experiencing different places and and definitely he gets no credit. You do this on yourself. You moved to Australia, you moved down under (laughs) and you go down there. You, you experience different places. Some of these locations, that, that, that helped you out. I'm assuming you got away from toxic friends, get a new life. How did that, how, how did that help you? Did you find that to be therapeutic? I see a smile. Oh, I see that smile. Look at that. You see, that's what you, and you can even pass as an Aussie. I can see that already. Look at that. <laughs> I love Australia. I would move there in a heartbeat. It is like my favorite place to be. The funny thing is, is I moved to Australia because I met a man and, um, I got married way, way too young, but I needed an escape from my life. I was taking care of my mother. I was overwhelmed. My father was, you know, and uh, I just, I I had to get a new life. And I married a person who was turned out to be a gambler, lost all of our money. I had to make the decision to leave him and come back and face like embarrassment and all that. So that is also another chapter in my book, just that experience. Of- I like that you're <laughs> laughing though. Joanne, that's, that, now that's healthy, right? Yeah. I that's so. very healthy. You're laughing because you're mm-hmm. like, you're, you're kind of having fun with it now. You know, we all, we all do, we make these mistakes, but a lot of times we do it because we, we repeat offenders in a sense, because what we're comfortable with in life, and you talk about that in the book, how we just end up going back to what we're comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do. You tend to repeat the same thing in your life. And, you know, if you've had issues with family members, you probably have had issues with friendships and romantic relationships because of the experiences that you had growing up and the way that you feel like you can be treated by people and or will allow people to treat you is because you've had these negative experiences, let's say. So, yeah, I laugh at it because yeah. I can now. At the time, I certainly wasn't laughing, but it makes for good content in the book, let me tell you. That's good. And tell, tell us a few funny moments that you're talking about. I mean, I, you add the humor to it. I mean, these are some dark times of your life, but to overcome them, sometimes it is a little bit where you can, I got through this, and I can laugh at it now. But what? give us, give us a couple of those moments that somebody can laugh at some terrible things that happen in their life. We've, we've had so many stories, and... Everything that happens to someone, the degree what it happens to that particular person may be horrific and the worst thing ever happened in their life. You may look at it and say, I can top that one, but we shouldn't look at it that way, right? Yeah, no, I think that if you look at bad things that have happened in your life as just things and take the lessons from those things and take the emotion, the bad away from it, then it makes it a lot easier to deal with. Um, when I first started my business, I got into uh, a portion of my business with a friend of mine who ultimately ended up suing me for half a million dollars oh, because geez. 
he felt like he was entitled to more than he actually was. And it was a, a great story. Yeah. I want to hear that. We got to hear I, that would tick me off. That would be more like, I'm going to come. Oh, <laughs> I would be ticked. You have no idea. Yeah. He was making so much. We did an app together and he was making so much money off of my app that we were splitting 50, 50. I was paying his daycare basically. Um, oh. My idea, my brand, my videos, my concept. He just designed the app and he was my friend. So I said, let's do 50, 50 and, then uh, he wanted more. Like I wanted to do another project and he felt that he was also entitled to that other project. And then when I didn't bring him into it, he sued me and I just thought, so I'm going through the process. And when somebody sues you, you can't just say, no, 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 actually, you know what? I don't want to be sued. Yes. <laughs> you have to actually then go and get a lawyer that is very expensive and you have to fight this, the process, you know? And it's so it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to even just fight it. And it was depressing at times. I wanted to give up my business. I wanted to throw in the towel. And I found this quote by Nietzsche, and he said, things in life that happen, just basically things in life that happen, what if you look at them as just things and not bad things? And maybe those things are the lessons that you're it's learning Joanne. from them. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Isn't it Joanne? <laughs> I, Joanne, you totally, this is <laughs> totally how you probably live your life. But let's look at the lesson that this thing is teaching me because maybe it's preventing you from making a more catastrophic decision later on. So if I didn't have this experience, maybe I would have done, we didn't have a contract, which was part of the issue. Never ever get into business with anybody without a contract. I don't care if they're your best friend or not. Wow. Like if I didn't have that experience, I would have gone into business with somebody else in the future and then I would have like lost my house or yeah. what have you. So instead of dwelling in the poor me, I'm, I'm getting sued, this is what's happening. I thought this is not a bad situation. It's a situation that I'm in. And what am I gonna learn from it? And I'm gonna move on, I'm gonna survive, I'm gonna, you know, move on to bigger and better things, which I have. And uh, yeah, that's how I sort of live my life. So I think if people keep that in mind when things happen that feel bad, and believe me, bad things happen. Uh, I was abused, that was bad. But I learned how I don't want people to treat me and I refuse to let anybody treat me that way. So take the lesson out of what that experience is teaching you. That's Bravo. That's really good. I love it. That's Joanne in a nutshell. It embodies this lady, lady next to me. <laughs> Joanne, Joanne, they're just things. I, I like that. They're just that you look at them as just things. Sometimes it's easier said than done, but it, this doesn't happen overnight. So you have this epiphany. I mean, you get back from Australia, you're divorced, you had to go through that. <clears throat> there was, you know, you felt there's some shame maybe involved in that. You get in here again, we're kind of creature habit. You come in, you, you get back with a you know friend of yours and pulls this crazy thing. Maybe... He or she, I think you said he, right? He, yeah. Yeah, he needs a copy of your book. So tell him you should autograph it too. So I'm, you know, thanks for everything. Don't be the instigator. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just terrible. Now that's my cross of beer, right? Is that bad lore? I wouldn't do it's just there, things. Bob. Those are things. Just I know. Things. See, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be operating in the space of Laura Berg. She would not right. want me to do that. Okay, so we shouldn't do that. So I, I got you. So I mean, that that does make sense. But Joanne does that too. But let's be real. I mean, we all have those moments. We're going to still kind of slide back a little bit. What's helping you now in life? I mean, you're you're preaching this. You 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 know you have this book and you're laying your whole self out. I mean, your heart is on your sleeve, and you're letting everybody know about Laura Berg. Do you you're gonna still do you still have times that you feel like, oh my God, I can't do this. Are you moving forward? Have you engaged? I mean, are you involved with anybody? Are you are you just happily being by yourself and and my our cat over there <laughs> and the squirrel? I mean, sometimes life is peaceful that way, but how do you feel? Do you, do you, are you looking forward to new things coming your way or what? I, uh, well, I've actually been married for 20 years. Okay, great. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I quickly realized that I didn't want a life that that man, the first one was offering me. And I didn't want to bring children into a life mm -hmm. where there was an addiction and addiction's hard, but it, he wasn't willing to change. So I quickly made that decision to leave. And sometimes people don't because they are embarrassed. And I thought, well, I'm just going to suck it up and do better for myself. And I met an amazing man who is 
fantastic and we have two beautiful children. But yeah, to answer your question, I still have moments of, you know, poor me. And I, the other thing I talk about in the book is the imposter syndrome. You know, a lot of us face that. Uh, and I still go through that. You know, I took a, I went back to school. I'm doing a master's in um, interdisciplinary studies where I'm doing it on how creative writing can help adoptees overcome trauma. I wanted to write a thesis paper on this. So I went back to school and I have to take a literature course and I'm in the course and it's all PhD students and then me. And I thought, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. My papers are going to be garbage. You know, I'm not going to be. And I thought, I have to get out of my head. But yeah, I still struggle with it all the time. University of Toronto? Just guessing. I don't know. No, York. But York. Oh, yeah. Well, I should have thought of York. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did yeah. Joanne, what, if, if you see this, we see athletes a lot, Laura. And I, I know we, the, a lot of times people do physical activity. We do things like that to try to change our, you know, maybe our bodies, just make it a, an attempt to say I can complete something, whether it's a marathon or a triathlon or something, say I completed something in life, which I normally can't. Um, there's all different types of things that people go through, those kind of obstacles. Do you see, could you, do you see, you know, how much do you see of that? I'm, I'm rhetorically speaking, I know I've seen a few, but from your... Like imposter syndrome? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's pretty much everybody's mindset at the start line of a race is, yeah. you know, am I good enough? Have I done enough work? I don't belong here. I'm in my, way over my head. And then the gun goes off and that's that. Just like a wrestling match I was at yesterday too. Get your head up high, get your <clears throat> hips up. You know, if yeah. you don't have your head in the game and you're not focused and you don't have that concentration, whether you're working on your PhD or you're working on a PhD with PhD students that are sitting all around you, or if you're at the start line, you, you got to get out of your head. I, I mean, I think that like one of the one of the big coaching quotes that a lot of people do uh, or use on race day is, you know, you've done the work now. Just enjoy enjoy the show. But you, I mean, I mean, s- I think I think I think business owners have imposter syndrome. I mean, yes. I I have imposter syndrome a lot. Um, you know, anytime I don't I, believe that. Do you? I mean, anytime I put up content, I'm like, oh god, here here we go. Somebody's gonna. <laughs> Somebody's going to say you're wrong, but I'm just like, well, I mean, whatever. And then you say, I don't care. And I'll be like, I'll just delete you. So delete. Perfect. But she's treating these people like things now, right? So that's okay. Well, no. I mean, that's probably, (laughs) I mean, you asked me for uh, the beginning of the show uh, what what my biggest, I don't know, what you asked Obstacle or just your obstacle. And that would probably be, uh, I mean, imposter syndrome is something that I I struggle a lot with, um, whether... You know, um, I mean, whether that be towing a, a race line or um, or putting out a post on social media in, in you know, with the gym, um, you know, do I really know what I'm talking about? I, I have a lot of expensive pieces of paper that say I do, but, um, you know, there's always there's always the trolls out there that are going to try to knock you down. And I mean, what I mean, you're in control, though. So, you know, you just. Suck it, I, suck it up and I, I put wanna, it out there. I want to have a little bit of Joanne and me <laughs> and Laura too. I mean, because me Laura's doing it. I me mean, too. I know. Yeah. Just see, just I mean, it's hard. It's yeah. super. It's super hard. And sometimes I I put things up and then I don't actually press go because uh, I'm like, oh man, somebody might somebody might say something. But really, why do I even care? I don't care. But that's, you do. But but you you have. That's to probably care. one thing after. So uh, I told Bob that I was yeah. forty. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in our admitted. first podcast, that's probably one of the most defining things. After like, when I, I got turned, it out of her, when I turned when I turned thirty nine, and one day, then I was like, screw screw the world, this is it, this is this is what you got, and uh, so you're just gonna have to deal with it. That's yeah. a fantastic attitude. I wish I had more of that in me as well. And it, it, you're right; the older we get, the easier it is to be. Oh, like, it's way uh, easier. I think I'm gonna be oh, a yeah. really yeah. great seventy year old. I'm going to be like one of those grandmas riding down the street that's like in my RV, you know. I want to be sitting on a porch with you when you're sitting <laughs> I don't know. and just listening to you talk. With Flipping off the car, the, you know, the truck drivers that go by or like the little youngins that are, I guess we won't call them. Your fist. Yeah, we won't call them millennials. 
Like like Betty White. She's she's gonna be a hundred <laughs> oh, years old no, next year. Her. And she's like she's like the god mother of all people who don't care about other people. We gotta be like Betty White. Yeah. We gotta get to Betty White because she's living a long life. That must right. be she's going for the long, long haul. So that must be um her approach stress is relieved relieved from her body and I think that makes a big big yeah. difference too. It's like why get I get anxiety. It's it, it ain't good, and it just ain't good. That's that's for sure. It could it be that both of you are because you have good Canadian higher education. I always say that because Canada's got great education, you know, especially in the high I school. Went to school age. in America. Well, you did. You went to New York. I know it's true, but no. New York higher education. Well, Michigan. Close Michigan and New. Didn't you go to New York too? <laughs> no. Well, your parents lived in New York. I I know some yeah, part. My mom's yeah, from New York. Your mom's from New York. That's what it is. She's in New York. But I mean, but still close. I mean, but it's. It's it, it so not everybody has to have something is you know I don't want to say as bad as you Laura but I mean out of the three of us here I saw abuse growing up I saw drug abuse only once I saw abuse against my mother or my dad it was one time so I didn't see it repeated so I never repeat I would like to think I never repeated it because I never did I treat women with respect um, but I, it, it was tough I was nine years old it it, it threw a curveball in my life and it took me. I, you know, I never knew why I didn't like my birthdays. I talked about this in the Phil Scoggins um, podcast a while back, but, but it's like, you know, when you, you, you go through those things and you have good people around you, I just so happen to have good people, strong women, you know, I'll say it, you know, my mom will listen to this and she likes getting credit. Mom, she was strong. You know, don't ever repeat that. Don't ever do it. You're you know, you're better than that. You know, be strong, treat women good. And I heard that constantly. My aunt, you know, everybody, you know, Bobby, you're, you know, you'd never be like this. And I, and I do, I think I, you know, I'm fiery. I have, um, I'm passionate. I wear my heart, my sleeve. Dylan will tell you here at the station. If I, some, I, I get bothered by something, I'm going to tell you, you're going to know about it. I'm, I'm going to tell you about it and then we'll get over it, you know, and, and we'll get back together again. But those influences help me. And I'm listening to you, Laura, and I don't feel like you did a lot of, it feels like you did a lot on your own. I mean, it feels like you don't have, like, Joanne's parents are very, she's got that typical, her parents were together, they're great, they're her pretty father. Pretty boring and stable life. But, <laughs> I'm gonna, I hope they're not listening to this. No, they're going to. And they're oh gosh, yeah, they're probably. great people. They're great people. They're great. They're, they're great. great. They're great people. But and her mom, she even got her mom to do a triathlon about maybe six, seven years. I can't remember her first triathlon. She completed it and phenomenal. And I think I don't know how old your mom was back then. Probably not as old as she is now. Yeah, right, of course. Like, yeah, she. We don't <laughs> want to find mom's age, but but you know what I'm saying, Laura. Who who was it before your husband now, or maybe it was your husband now? you know, 20 years ago that was there to give you, because you search for that. I, I recognize that. You you go to Australia to run away to think you're going to do it. And by golly, and not that you, you know, you didn't know, but you you obviously didn't see it right away, but you get in with a gambler and he's got an, another, uh, you know, addiction or some kind of, a you know, addictive personality. Abuse comes involved with money and lost money. And you're like, I cannot deal with this. You're strong enough to say, I'm, I'm out of here. Good for you. But who did you, who do you use around you? Or do people, do we need to have people around us to do it? Because you, you seem to do it, did it yourself, it seems like to me. It's definitely helpful to have people around you. My mom was a very strong supporter in my life and she was my best friend. And, you know, when I came back, I moved in with her and, you know, she was always there for me. Unfortunately, she died when I was 33. So it was difficult you know, it's hard now being a mom without a mom. I, I wish I had things that I could talk to her about when, you know, my teenager is telling me how much she hates me. Yeah. And well, I don't worry, I have the same thing. So <laughs> it's the worst. And you know, I was the worst teenager. I was horrible to my mother. And luckily, I got a chance to apologize to her before she died. Yeah. Um, but it would still be nice to have that support. Mm -hmm. uh, I luckily met my husband before my mom died. And so I have him and then I have, you know, some good friends that I would lean on and it, it's it is it's hard to do it alone uh i've had therapists throughout my life that i've had that have been good i've had therapists that have been really bad um but finding it's important if you're going through things in your life to find help or support it's very very difficult to do it on your own yeah no that and that, that's that's a good point and i didn't mean to leave your mom but your mom obviously was a very important piece of that pie, but now later in life too, I mean, now you got, yeah, I know you got your husband and just, if I can give you a couple words about 
you know, children, and I know I'm older than you and Joanne here. I'm 56. I have a, I have a 36 year old this coming April and I have two grandkids that are girls. I have all women, <laughs> two grandbaby girls. I'm going to see them Friday. And, um, I got two girls at home, teenagers, both high school students. And, um, I like to think of myself as a Clint Eastwood, but would I roll with that, Joanne, or not? Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not that, I'm not that cool, and I, I'm not that old either. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is is that <clears throat> these kids, Laura and, and, and uh, Joanne, too, and her daughter, you know, she's going to grow up very soon, be a teenager. It, they, they just do this. My oldest daughter hung up the phone, you know, blank bombed me and, get, you know, get out of my life. You're never there when I needed you, and, you, you know, and this and that. She calls me now. I hope my ex-wife's not listening, which I don't care if she is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just terrible. No, but she says, no, I would never. She just says me, she says things to me that this is what I was always trying to tell you, Brittany. And it's great to hear that. It's just, and I'm not, I'm not being gloating or I don't want any ill will against my ex-wife. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that it's just gratifying to know that what I did when I stayed firm with her, it was tough love, hard as hell. It was terrible to try to do it. And, um, and there were moments that I'll tell you, I could, I, I literally had my hand, my hand went through a wall one time. Front, it, and there were, she was a thousand miles away from me, but I still did. I was in Las Vegas, Nevada, drove me crazy. And, and I was like, how can this kid do this? And my wife now, Teresa's kind of like Joanne, you know, and that's why I like, I think opposites always do attract, but she's very, you know, Bob, you're letting this get, I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> Teresa is a good me. woman. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> she knows. And she even called during a podcast. I, I wrote, I'm in a podcast and she gave me a thumbs up, you know? So it, it's just kids, kids will come around, I guess. And you know that cause you did, I mean, you did yourself and it's tough to beat you, but you still got to be that disciplinarian as much as you just can't be their friends. And, um, you know, and, and it's hard, but it, but it works out at the end of the day. It really, it really does. Was your mom kind of a disciplinarian still? And I, I'm assuming because some of your eruptions you had with her as a kid, or you just, or was it more lashing out because of what dad did? No, my mom was very fair. Uh, she was sort of really ahead of her time in, in parenting. Uh, when I was 16, I snuck out of the house and I left my window open a crack so I could sneak back in. And I came back and I go to open the window and it's locked. Mm. And ah, I, I, smart. I, 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 I look yeah. in and my door's open and I had locked my door and my door's open. And I thought, oh my goodness. So now I have to go ring the doorbell at like 2 a.m. or something ridiculous. So I go ring the doorbell. My mom opens the door and she said, did you have fun? And I said, yep. And she goes, okay, the cat went into labor, which is why she was coming to get me because she wanted me to see the miracle of birth. Mm. And, uh, she went back to her room and I went into her room and I said, aren't you going to yell at me? Aren't you going to ground me? And she looked me square in the eye and she said, do you have a conscience? And I said, yes. And she said, live with it. Ooh, and I thought, Oh my goodness. That was the most brilliant yeah. parenting that I've ever seen happen. It was some magic because I couldn't yell at her. I couldn't get mad, you know, oh, she's so stupid, she did this, wah, wah, wah. She just said, you know right from wrong. What you did was wrong. Live with it. She said that without even saying it. And I was, uh, that was the type of parent she was. Mama Confucius, very good. She's, no, very see, I, I, no, see, I would say so. That's great. Dylan over here, our producer, that you struck struck a chord with him. Go, Dylan, put yourself on camera for Pete's sake. Come on. Oh, let's, no. Let's do this here, right? Oh, no. Okay. Right, come on. He sounds like he's from Canada, doesn't he? When he said, oh, no. I'm no. from Alaska. So yeah, he's from Alaska. It. Close enough. Okay, go ahead. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Just get, get yourself on no, camera. I was just going to say, although that reminds me a lot. Um, I snuck out once, and um, my mom found out. Um, she didn't lock the door, um, but she was just there as soon as I got home. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy happened when I was gone, but um, so the next time that I ended up sneaking out, um, she called me and then something, I forgot what happened. It was like something like minuscule now to me happened. Um, and then she was like, I just want you to know you're like, you're missing out on this. And I was like, I just like, I like my heart dropped. Cause I was like, Oh my God. But then I was still out having fun with my friends. So I didn't really care that much. Cause I was, I was an awful child. I'll, I'll admit it. <laughs> and he's only, and he's 20 years old. So he's, uh, to yeah, me, I'm he's still, still, I'm a, still child. a child. Unfortunately. <laughs> he's still a child. No, a young, no. young, young and yeah, it would be nice. But, but it's, it's, it's funny. We all, so in other words, you know, all generations, we could see how this, uh, you know, affected us. In your Michigan days, Joanne, did you do the sneak out thing or, or not? No, I didn't hit rock bottom until I 
Moved to Hawaii. There you go. Oh, well, tell us about that. Tell us about the Hawaii. Uh, I don't think that would be appropriate. It wouldn't be appropriate. Yeah. Wow, Joanne, I can't pick. See, now we're learning stuff, Laura. <laughs> Miss, this I, is I, 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 gra- I graduated, bought a one-way way ticket. Glass of wine now. Bring yeah. the wine out. Bring the bottle out. Let's let's talk. I graduated <laughs> college. I, I, I played. Uh, I played college softball, so I took my NCAA contract very seriously, and then uh, graduated college, bought a one-way ticket to Hawaii, and. Moved as far away as I could get Why without you... leaving the United States. How can you do that? Yeah. I mm. didn't know that. I just learned it. I learned something every week with her. That's that was it. amazing. What, no, I want to know how Bob and Mary handle that. Because I love what Laura's mom said. Well, my brother was a, living in England. Do you have so... a conscience? I love that. Yeah. I love it. What happened to you? Nothing. I mean, I just came home for Christmas and said I bought a one-way ticket to Hawaii. And so they said, great. <laughs> I mean, my brother was living in England. And yeah. Did you regret? Do you regret any of that? Absolutely not. No. Okay. No. No regrets. Okay. No, no regrets. regrets. Okay. Okay. Applied for a job. Had a job waiting for me as soon as I got off the airplane. Wow. Yeah, that was it. Just things, Joanne. Just things. Yeah. Lived in a hotel room for four years. Gosh. Yep. Wow. It's wow. Expensive. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Yeah, oh, they, no, they that, I mean, like, they, your job. they Airbnb kind of thing. Oh, gotcha. But back, that was a long time ago. Yeah, you so. just, but you do it in a They hotel. just rent it by the month. Mm. It was very common, so. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, you know, Laura, Laura's like, you know, so what, Laura, what, if, if we sit, somebody's going to sit here and read your book, we're going to hear a lot, we're going to hear about Laura Berg's life. The times that we do these things and all these hurdles that we have to jump and leap over them and try to overcome them, we look at mad things. What do you hope comes out of it for somebody who, in any level, and especially the, the worst kind of level, maybe somebody who's going through something that they maybe even feel suicidal or, or you know, and I, and I'm, my heart goes out. And I'm, I, you know, I take that very seriously. We do here. We're in military post and suicide is no, no joke. I mean, um, it happens too often it should not, but there's things we have to know. Is there something you would love, you know, even if you touch one person, how's this book going to help them? Well, you hit the nail on the head. I'm just hoping that it at least touches one person. If I make a difference in somebody's life, if they feel less alone. Uh, When I posted my video on YouTube of my adoption rejection story, I had a person from the UK who was in counterterrorism. He was this, you know, tough police guy and he went through the same thing I did and he sent me an email and he said you know I just want to thank you because I felt so alone and I felt like it was me and that I was broken and he said when I saw your video this weight lifted off my shoulders because I realized I'm not broken it's not me and I thought that's enough if, if it touches nobody else that was enough so I hope that's what my book does for somebody that's that's a great story. It's a great story, especially a guy, somebody like that of that caliber. To you know, to just it it takes a good man to admit, you know, and, and you know it's okay. It's it's okay to admit that, and because we're told you got to be strong, got to be strong. You know, you can't can't admit you know that you're weak or you, you have any issues that you're going through. And but that's a, that's a wonderful wonderful story. Great takeaway. And we'll we'll watch that video. And, and everybody listening to this again, I'll point out it's right here at the bottom of this podcast. You can click on it and watch Laura's video here and um, you know, get it up to about a million likes. How's that? <laughs> you know, cause you know, th- those are good. Those are good things. Those are really good things. I mean, that's, you, you have to, you have to have that. Is, um, is the rain still falling now outside your window? It looks like it's letting up. It looks up like it stopped. It looks like yeah, it stopped. I can see it's good that. Cause I have to pick up my son. So I walked to get him. So that's good. Oh, that's great. So I, and that, not giving away your location, but you are, are you in the proper city of Toronto? There, yeah, are, yeah. Right well, I, I got to tell you, how's Sam the record man? Is they, are they still there? Oh, <laughs> my just, goodness. I'm sorry. I just... Gone. Gone. Oh, that was such a staple. That was... <laughs> yeah. And I, it's like super old school. Want to hear another old school? <laughs> yeah. How, how about the, the Maple, the mall there, the four-story tier mall that's right about, right on Yonge Street. It's the... Uh, the gallery, yeah. It's like the gallery, but the they come Eaton before... Center. Yeah, the Eaton Center. Center, yeah. Yeah. Been to the CN... in yeah. London. Of course, still you go... There. Yeah, and CN Tower is not going anywhere, of course, you know that. Hey, on a clear day, you can go up to the CN Tower. I know you've done this. Clear day, it's going to be a clear day, and you can look down. You can actually see the mist from Niagara Falls in Buffalo, New York. That's a true story. Crazy. Isn't that crazy to think you could see that? You could see the distance. It's true. True story. Um, and if the weather's nice, too, of course, Toronto will have the, the dome will be open. You can see the Jays play or whatever. 
hopefully win. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what to uh, Joanne, Laura, no, seriously. And, and I think this is great. Here's something with me. And I told this to a friend and I have a podcast guest next week. We're going to talk to Mar- Marsha Pledger. She's, she's the first black woman to become the, the, uh, I want to say the EP, but she's the editor of the Jacksonville, uh, Florida paper. And she had to go through a lot of strifes and struggles as she went into it. And another friend of mine, Sharon Crystal, uh, is a publicist too, like Lindsay Mack a little bit like that. And she, I always, she always laughs, Bob, I'm your publicist. You know, as her friend, she always gives me this great advice on how to promote myself, how to do this and that. And I did a lot, but I found myself, this is, this is the craziest thing throughout my life. I find myself now it could be the way I grew up because my mom was more of an influence. I had a great stepdad who taught me all the guy stuff. And my grandfather was a huge influence. My dad wasn't around when I was growing up. Dad, I'm sorry. He knows the whole story. Not, not going backwards, but we repaired and move forward in our lives. And I just talked to him on the way here uh, about uh, procedures having tomorrow in New York. But the point is, is that women around me seem to be the ones I gravitate. They come to me. I, 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 I learn more. I mean, a lot of my rationale, reasoning and everything are from women, strong women. And I, and do you have any thoughts on that? Either one of you? I mean, just wondering why do they, why do women come? Why, why would they just always a find myself? Man, Bob, you're just, a <laughs> I'm not, I don't mean it like that. No, it's not why, but I feel like I listen, I take more from women I get the, you help me more. I, I seem to do that. And I feel like I get alpha dog by guys that are like my age, my caliber. Dylan kind of knows what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. He I does. grew up with a single mom. So yeah. yeah. Is that, is this, is this, <laughs> could that be why Dylan and I are, I don't know. Do you have any thought? I'm not saying that's something you, you would know, but I mean, what's your thoughts knowing me just it's for like this a whole few minutes? Podcast. Yeah. Maybe it's a whole other podcast lawyer or what? Another book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to defer to Joanne because I'm sure she has a great response to that. <laughs> yeah. What do you um, think? <laughs> I would imagine it has a lot to do with being uh, the father of daughter and granddaughters. And yeah. I mean, it's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just I I I, I feel that uh, you know I think you know even not getting uh, you know scriptural here, but I think even biblically, there's a lot of strong women in the Bible. They weren't recognized for, you know, centuries in, they kind of get, they're there, but they're there like Rebecca, Deborah. I mean, there's prophetesses. Women are essential to those. They, they're, they're you know, they give you, you know, those things that you, you, you need, you know, maybe it's a little more nurturing, but then the common sense value and, you know, it's because men suck, Bob. That's right. why. Is that why? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Is that another point? <laughs> They're not saying anything. You <laughs> said it, Dylan. You said it. Come on, now we got to stick together. Guys, still got to stick together. <laughs> it's just, but I, but I, uh, but I do appreciate that. I, I, and and I think that could be what what's interesting here. What attracted me, my wife, was kind of the antithesis of what that I was used to. Not that my mom's not a strong woman. My mom's a very strong woman, but she's. I, it just she's not as independent because she's from that old school mentality that a guy's got to take care of her. She's got and they kind of sort of control what she's going to do and this and that. But my mom's very strong though, and on the opposite side, she's very, you know, she's she's good. She gets stuff done. She's a hard worker. All those good things that I got. But I I found that drifting to Teresa, my wife, and you know, and I, you know, you meet Joanne or you know people that they are stronger. And that there, she was a military force daughters. Dad was in Vietnam, deployed three times. Um, you know, uh, mom's hardcore. Her mother, you know, her mom's like no sensitivity. We're gonna kind of like, do you have a conscience? Kind of, you know. And I think that makes a difference. And you see that there's a little bit of a traction to that. Where okay, I got somebody who I can count on. It's black and white. I know where they stand. I'm not gonna have this wishy washy stuff in the middle. Is is that something? that you're not anymore, would you say? Were you ever that wishy-washy person when you felt like you were feeling sorry for yourself? Or do you feel like now you're, you, you, you could f- find yourself, you know, especially what you write, you're, you're beyond that now. It's soft stuff in the middle. No, I think I still face that. You know, I still think because as much as I know and I can teach, I still have emotions and it's the emotions that take over that make you feel that kind of wishy-washy and then you have to stop and put the work in because it's work, right? In order right. to make changes. So I, yeah, I still do. I still have to make changes that way. Well, I appreciate your candor because it's true. I mean, it's just a healthy thing. You recognize it and we get back to it again and, and do what you what you need to do to, to thrive and kind of move on, thrive yeah. in life, which exactly. I like that. What came up, <laughs> why did you come up with that title of the book? But what made, yeah, it's, it's just a good title. I mean, it's crisp, clean. I mean, it makes sense. But what, what was it that resonated with you? Well, it was just because I was going through the daily motions of life and just feeling like I was 
simply surviving in, in life. And I wanted to thrive. And so I really wanted a book that is like, here's my thriving life, like how, how you can do it if you put in the work. And, and you, you have put in the work, years of work and, and putting it in. Uh, what's, the, what's the next book going to be, Laura? you have one yet? Are you writing one or are you just kind of waiting for your theses or trying to figure out what no, you're going to do? No, funnily enough, I am. I'm working on a, a novel. Um, it's a crime mystery novel where the birth mother of the main character gets murdered. Ooh. Oh, my. Gee, Joanne, I think we... It's <laughs> pretty dark. Let's bring in the therapist on that one, Laura. What's going on? <laughs> I don't have anyone. This is, this Wait, is what led me to my thesis where creative writing oh, can help <laughs> adoptees recover from trauma. That's interesting. That's going to be a good novel. Thesis. We just went from that to this novel. Any of this inspired yeah. about your real life events by any chance for chance? <laughs> I will go on record saying I do not want my birth mother to be murdered. Okay, um, good. Okay. <laughs> Although, God I rest had, I, I, So I do have two full brothers and one of my brothers... I had talked to him one time, but they were, they're forbidden to be in a relationship with me. But he had said, you know, I think the problem's my mom, not my dad. So if my mom ever dies, I'll introduce you to my dad. So I was talking to my daughter saying, oh, you know, I should write a book where the, the birth mother gets killed so that the adopted person can have a relationship with the, the family because it's this evil mother who's in the way. So oh. I thought it would be an interesting story to write. <laughs> Look at Joy's face. Okay. <laughs> I like I feel like Disney might buy that one out. You know what, <laughs> Laura? You know this these things on one of our podcasts where you get your podcast. That could be a great podcast. Two thousand twenty one. I know Cinderella. With, yeah, Cinderella with Laura Burke. Modern Cinderella. Cinderella. Could it be that you're replacing mom? And I'm not being facetious here with with dad. Maybe in this novel, the inspiration of that, or is it like you're reversing? I think roles? you're digging way too. Am I might digging too. I'm yeah, trying to be. No, no, I'm, no, I'm talking about my the people who gave birth to the me, birth. Oh, people, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Not yes. my evil, my the teenage evil parents. father yes, in thank the you. book as well, but okay. my, the woman who gave birth to me married the man who get, who was the sperm donor. They okay. married each other and had two boys, gotcha. so I have two full brother brothers. So That's anyway, the it, ticket. I got you. that, okay. that she's the problem is what I've been told. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. Well, it's going to be part two. Jojo, we yeah. got part two here. This is going to be good. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do a thing. We, we actually will cut this segment here. I could see Dylan's uh, eyes light up. That will be our, this will go on Facebook, that little bit of moment, but learn more about Laura's book, that uh, Thriving Life, but that'll be the little catcher. Wait, would you, would you agree? You oh know? dear. I have a few. We'll figure we it got out. A few. He'll figure it out. Okay. Well, we're going to, yeah. we're going to make catcher. it good. <laughs> Where I murder my mother. <laughs> <laughs> How to murder your mother when you get, oh, boy. Yeah, I know this is terrible, right. terrible, terrible. Okay. Fiction, fiction, we're fiction, talking fiction, fiction, fiction. Yeah, that's right, folks. <laughs> get it right. It's fiction. It's novel material here. So when you look at, um, your 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 birth parents, they see it. Would they? And I can go back to this again. Will they get a copy of this book? Do you think you can get it to them, or will they see it? I, or... I doubt they'll get a copy. But I did. If you read the acknowledgments, sure. I did thank them for giving me life in the acknowledgments okay. of the book. Yeah, so I want to say, okay, that's good. That's that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Joanne, Bob, what do you got to say to to Miss Laura Berg? Um. I mean, I think it's very interesting. I, th yes. I mean, I think we had a very interesting conversation. I, did. I, I love it. And look at the, this. Looks like uh, this looks like tapestry. The album cover with the cat in the background. Except we just need a piano for you <laughs> with Carol King, or <laughs> but you got Laura Berg instead. <laughs> look at the back of the cat. It's just like, fantastic. If that's not the perfect, tranquil, peaceful, you know, what's a cat's name for crying out loud? I we should get his name. Cairo. Yeah, Cairo. Yeah, because. Usually cream tabbies are males, so I, I think Cairo's a male, obviously. Yeah. They're all male, apparently. Yeah, yeah. apparently that's bizarre, but they are. He's funny. Yeah. So typical. They're all this. It's so funny. Our tabby does that, too. He's got to be in a window. He's got to be up high, and, you know, it's same thing all the time. Pretty neat. I'm chasing my tail, too, once in a while, like right now. <laughs> I'm chasing my tail. Oh, a lot. But, Laura, if you have one you have one big statement you want to make, you did a, you did a great job. What else do we need to know about Laura Berg in this book to make sure that people – grab it today. What do they need to do? I think that this book is for people who didn't just experience like massive trauma, like I did with adoption, rejection and abuse and things like that. But if you're just feeling unhappy in your life and you're not sure how to make changes, if you're unhappy in your relationships, you know, I talk a lot in my book about how to define your own happiness 
and what that looks like. And then, you know, how to fix relationships that are broken and how to keep relationships that are good. Because those of us who have had issues with broken relationships tend to sabotage good ones and how to stop doing that. And then, um, so it's, I think it's just for anybody who feels stuck in life and unhappy. That's good. I think it's perfect. perfect. Joanne, any, anything else you want to say, Jojo? No. That's good. I got nothing. Laura, we want you to stand by. Don't go away because we're going to make sure we get all that information so everybody here on this podcast is going to see more about Laura Berg and how to get her book. It's Thriving Life. And again, Laura, how to live your best life no matter the cards you are dealt. Laura Berg, author. Fantastic. And stay tuned. She's going to have a novel coming up too. <laughs> fiction. I'll fa- this is the real deal though. This is not fiction, but, the, but her novel is coming up. We can't wait to see how that all comes out. Good luck to you. Um, and everything with your education, finishing up on this and your theses and much more. Laura, you've been fantastic. Thanks for staying with us here. We, we did good here today. I mean, this is a, this is a good long podcast. You were, you were fun and exciting. And uh, again, you want to hear more about Laura and every Wednesday and see this live and see Laura too. Beautiful young lady. She's wonderful and she's got a great family. She could be seen right now at WRBL.com, the podcast play zone. That's our video Part. And then everything else is all audio, of course, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's through Audible, whether it's through Apple or iHeart. We got there for you right now. And, of course, on social media, you're going to see some of this, how it grabs you through Facebook, B. Jeswald, WRBL, and also B. Jeswald Instagram, B. Jeswald Twitter, wherever you want to see it, you can get it. That's it. And we'll see you next week here on the Bob Jeswald Show, along with my colleague co-host here with Joanne Kogel, who's chill all the time. <laughs> we'll so, see you guys next time. That's right. <laughs>